Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Saving starts with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. All the folks who love smoking weed are blazing today. It's 420. Don't mean nothing to me because I don't smoke weed. Uh, But coming up on today's Roland Martin Unfiltered, the House is very close to passing another bill that will put as much as $400 billion into small businesses. And speaking of small businesses, Shake Shack gives back $10 million that they got as a part of the previous program. Y'all a small business? Really? A five-year-old black girl dies in Detroit. She is the daughter of two emergency responders. A stunning death when it comes to coronavirus. Also, folks, everybody was talking this weekend about the debacle. Teddy Riley versus Babyface. Tech expert Mario Armstrong would me as we will talk about that. And also, what is the impact of coronavirus on pregnant women. All of that and more 
It's time to bring the funk. I'm rolling Mark Unfiltered. Black on. Let's go. Here it is Monday, April 20th. Let's get started talking about the impact of coronavirus. Folks, here's the latest chart showing you the impact. 782,987 cases of coronavirus reported in the United States in three territories. 41,777 patients have died. 71,770 people are recovering from coronavirus. Now, the White House right now is holding the coronavirus briefing. As I look at it, Donald Trump is talking. We ain't taking it, because you know he lying. We do not, we, we're not wasting our time when it comes to his constant, constant lying. And over the weekend, he did more lying from the podium. And it shows you how despicable he is. A little bit later, I'm going to show you this killer ad that J Joe Biden has dropped, slamming down Trump. Uh, but first, today, here was the update given by New York Governor Mario Cuomo. Today is 51 days since the first case in New York, just for perspective, so we know where we are. It's 92 days since the first case came to the United States of America. It was in Seattle and in California. These are the hospitalization numbers for today. Tick down from yesterday, but a slight tick, uh, statistically irrelevant. The question for us is, we are, are we past the apex? We have had a number of days that have seen a reduction, a reduction is across the board. Hospitals also say anecdotally that they have less uh, patients in their emergency room, which, again, perspective, the emergency rooms were way over capacity. It was chaotic. It was hellish. Uh, and the emergency rooms are still at or over capacity, but it's better than it was. The total change in hospitalizations, you see that it's been going down. The three-day average of hospitalizations is going down. Number of intubations is down again. That is great news. Uh, not down as much as yesterday, but down. Uh, number of new people coming in the door with COVID diagnosis is, again, just about flat with yesterday. All right, folks. Uh, that is the, uh, uh, again, the latest from Governor Andrew Cuomo. Now, um, one of the issues that we've been focusing on, what happens economically, 
to small businesses. In the House, after the previous fund ran out of $350 billion, now they're about to move, they're very close to having a new deal. Joining us right now is Congresswoman Sheila Jackson-Lee of Texas. Congresswoman, glad to have you on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Glad to be with you, my brother. Thank you so very much for having me. So, you get your mask on. Do you, so do you wear your do you mask all the time, even in the office? I sure do. Um, I, um, I believe that um, it's important to be a role model as well. And uh, if I'm seen publicly, I want people to know that this is, just like Governor Cuomo said, this is hellish, uh, and we should take it very seriously. Now, are you, so uh, we, are, you are you here in D.C. or you're, you're in Houston? Recovery, uh, and too early, uh, we will be wearing masks inside and outside. Absolutely. Now, now are you in here in D.C. or are you back in Houston? Uh, I'm in Houston uh, en route to D.C. because, as you well know, uh, we have not been able to have a unanimous consent. You're familiar with that language. And so we have to come back, debate, and fight, and vote so that uh, we can get that extra crunch of money, that interim legislation to help those who could not be helped in the earlier expenditure. Uh, let's talk about that because the reality is uh, a significant number of small businesses obviously uh, could not be able to get in. Then when you have companies like Shake Shack, they got $10 million. You had uh, Ruth Chris Steakhouse, they got $20 million. Even though Ruth Chris is sitting on $80 million in cash, bought back stock last year, made a $42 million profit, how, I mean, how did the restaurant, National Restaurant Association allow, get, get that into the bill? How is a Ruth Chris Steakhouse a small business? Well, you uh, can't imagine the uh, temperature that has gone up on every member of the Congressional Black Caucus and, frankly, every member of the Democratic Caucus. Uh, this is really work that we did uh, with our blood, sweat, and tears. And we were focused on businesses. We realized that there are uh, medium-sized businesses that are struggling. So the money for PPP was 500 employees and under. We know that there are mom and, when I say mom and pop, we know there are businesses that were raised up by family and may have 500 employees at this time. But it was not intended to be abused and utilized by companies that would use individual sites as a small business. In addition, we were stunned by the concept of first come, first serve, because if you are a sole proprietor, if you are uh, a self-employed, if you are an independent contractor, which is what the EIDL money was for, that's the disaster loan money, you will just getting the facts while others were already putting in their application and really on the turnaround of getting their money. So uh, the devil is in the details. We pushed for this. Uh, we wanted to make sure that our small businesses were uh, able to maintain their employees, pay their utilities, and pay their mortgage. But we've got to turn right back around and really the Congressional Black Caucus, working with Speaker Pelosi and the Democratic Caucus, I must say, put their foot down and have really worked now to make sure that these shenanigans don't happen. And you ask the question, it's the devil in the details, and people have to ask themselves the question why they're taking all of this boatload of money when there's a whole quadre of small restaurants, mom-and-pop restaurants of all backgrounds across the nation who are now, in my own district, people who are now giving out food for free. These are not chains. 
These are individual restaurants and individual communities who helped the community. They did not get anything. And we are determined. We're determined, Roland. We put in $250 billion, but we put in $60 billion extra for our very small businesses, now $310 billion in this bill for PPPs that would include not only our small businesses, but minority banks and small financial institutions so they can get in the, get in the fight and to help those people who have not been able to be helped. And look, that's critical because, um, look, uh, I have a small business. Uh, my brother, uh, with his catering business in Houston, uh, he's yes. with the Houston Restaurant Association and the Greater Houston Partnership, or Houston First. And he, he sends me these text messages and talking about uh, what he's seeing and what he's dealing, what, what he's hearing from other restaurants, uh, and, and 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 what's happening is that these banks, uh, they're screwing people because basically, if you don't have loans, if you don't owe the banks, uh, they're, they're frankly pick, picking winners and losers. Uh, there are stories of people going to six and seven and eight different banks. It was one sister had a business, she applied for a credit card at a bank. The bank turned her down, so she went and got one from Capital One. Then when she applied to the PPP program, they told her, well, you don't have a credit card or loan with us, so we're not going to process it. She was like, but I couldn't get one with y'all. And so what these banks are doing is helping the larger small, small businesses uh, who have loans, because they want to make sure to keep getting their loans back. And so that's also this difficult thing. So if you've got a small business and you have a banking relationship with the bank, you're going like, wait a minute. So for you guys to help me, I had to have, have a loan with you. And so the banks are causing a serious problem. And hopefully in this new bill, that will be dealt with as well. Well, the main thing that has to be part of this uh, is the oversight. You know, in the big slush fund money that you're well aware of that the Secretary of Treasury has control over, we insisted that there be an IG. I frankly believe that there's going to have to be an IG on the PPP and as well a congressional oversight. We're looking at how we proceed in that. But this is going to have to be monitored. You're absolutely right. The first come, first serve was a problem. Then the banks decided to put in their own guidelines, guidelines that the legislation did not require, which was have a credit card, uh, have uh, an account, and have a loan. How absurd. If you come with a good credit rating and you just happen not to have a loan, this is a program that is for a crisis, a hellish crisis, as has been said, a virus that no one understands, that there is no cure, there is no vaccine, and we don't know if there's an end. That means that we are standing here as the lifeline, uh, the uh, SOS for these businesses, for this economy, for these jobs, and that should be front and center, not specialized rules that these banks are doing. When we bailed them out in 07, 08, 09, we bailed them out. And that money did not come with all kinds of restraints, unfortunately. So now I think we have to put them on notice. This is not acceptable. But what I will say is that thanks to the Congressional Black Caucus, uh, Chairwoman Waters, and people fighting uh, that some of the smaller institutions will be included, some of the minority banks, which, by the way, are very small in number which we've got to build them up again. And I'm just giving notice. If this bill passed in the next, say, 48 to 72 hours, this is a clarion call. In fact, those of you need to be in line today. If you did fill out an application, call your bank and make sure they know that you're intending for them to process your application for you not to have to get out of line, 
give them, let them give you the confirmation that you're in queue and you're in the same spot that you were before, which you should be moved up or be in a line that's not uh, going to be behind those that all of a sudden decided they want to apply. We welcome everyone, but people who got cut off in the last uh, couple of days when the portal was closed on the SBA, you need to call that bank. If that's where you're comfortable going, you need to call that bank and make sure you're in the queue because these dollars are going to hit uh, soon because this is the week we've got to do that. All right, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson-Lee, always a pleasure. Glad to have you on the show. We certainly appreciate all the work the CBC is doing to ensure that black businesses are able to tap into these funds. And Marlon, don't forget testing. We're fighting for $25 billion in testing. We got to test, 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 because we can't recover if we don't get tested and get our community tested. Absolutely. Please well, I, I, go out and get tested. Absolutely agree with that, of course. But then if you had any kind of leadership from the White House, uh, you would actually have far more testing. Trump thinks everything is all fine. We were, we were supposed to have 27 million tests at the end right. of March. They haven't. They barely hit 4 million. But he's saying, oh, we did a great job. We're perfect. No. Less than 1% of American people have been tested. And as you well know, this is devastating as it relates to death rates, the African-American community, Hispanic community, and communities of color. We've got to fight this fight. And we've got to put on our boxing gloves. We need the community to stand with us, get tested, and let's get into those hot spots. That's what we're fighting for now. All right, Congresswoman Jackson Lee, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, folks, let's go to New Jersey Mayor uh, there in Newark, uh, Roz Baraka, who joins us right now on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, Mayor Baraka, glad to have you on the show. Uh, thanks for having me, brother. New York, and, New York and New Jersey is certainly uh, a hot spot. How have you been dealing with coronavirus uh, there in Newark? It's been rough. Right now we have about 4,184 uh, positive cases, about 267 deaths. Uh, we're getting anywhere, anywhere between 100 to 200 new positive cases a day. Uh, we are not at a plateau like New York City. New Jersey overall is experiencing a small decline or small plateau. But other than that, uh, it's been rough. We have been trying to provide our own dollars locally for small businesses, for, uh, you know, reprieves for people around rent, around, around mortgage, uh, you know, uh, property taxes, everything, which is going to put the city in a serious situation in a couple of months. We obviously, in this last iteration of money, uh, we're going to need some money for state and local governments to be able to sustain themselves. And like you said, some of that money needs to go to, to some real small businesses in the city of Newark uh, as well. Uh, I totally understand uh, governors and mayors who are talking about, look, we got to be able uh, to get back to business because of the economy. But, but, but what do you make of especially uh, many of these Republican governors taking their direction from Trump uh, to reopen as if you've had massive testing, as if you have an understanding of this? Uh, and again, look, I got a business. I've been, we've been impacted. This show's been impacted. Advertising has frozen. We've had to make uh, salary cuts and all kinds of different things along those lines. But these people act as if this thing is under control. It's not. Right. I mean, when you think not about not a bus control. driver, a bus driver in Detroit, a person coughed on the bus, he was dead three weeks later. You got a five-year-old girl whose parents are emergency responders. She's dead because of coronavirus. And these folks, and Trump is sitting here uh, inciting these idiots, these, these, frankly, the same people who were in Charlottesville <laughs> and the same Tea Party right. people walking around with their damn guns and Confederate flags about reopening the state. Here's my yep. deal. Y'all want to kill yourselves? Walk your happy ass out there with no mask on. Well, I think somebody 
they must have figured out their data that more of us are dying from this than anybody else. So maybe they feel like that's it's time for them to open up. <laughs> but that, we can't open up here. We're nowhere close uh, to that. And, you know, our people are dying at uh, alarming rates, getting sicker at more uh, alarming rates. Uh, we we ha- have not even touched where we need to be to even think about reopening uh, here. That's for sure. So what uh, what direction uh, would what, what would you say uh, to other mayors uh, who may be facing the pressure? Like, for instance, the governor of Georgia, uh, has already, he just announced that they're going to open up gyms, nail salons, restaurants by April 24th. Well, you know, I would like the, the, the president of Ghana said, you know, we can bring the economy back. We just can't bring people back. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, people's lives are, are, are the real wealth. Uh, we have to make sure that we uh, are doing what we can to save people's lives, to protect their health, uh, or we'll be no economy anyway. I mean, so it's important uh, for us to get that right uh, immediately uh, and make sure that we have testing. We haven't had enough ample tests to be able to make a determination uh, if we're even ready to go back. You know, we don't know who, we don't have our eyes and hands wrapped around this in any stretch of the imagination. We're too far away from it to be able to be talking about opening up. All right. Um, Mayor, look, uh, please keep folks uh, in Newark safe. We've got lots of people, of course, who are fans of this show, uh, who are uh, in your city. Uh, we certainly don't want uh, to see any more deaths. Uh, just the number of black people who are perishing uh, right. from this is just stunning. And so uh, sort of keep them safe. And, uh, and, and the folks out there, if they won't listen, look, tell them, look, y'all playing with your lives and your lives of your family. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. I appreciate Thank it, you. sir. Thank you very much. No problem. All right, folks. Folks, that's Ros Baraka, mayor of Newark. Okay. Uh, Joe Biden not playing around when it comes to letting people know exactly how trifling Donald Trump has been when it comes to coronavirus. Check out this ad that Joe's campaign dropped this weekend. He failed to act. So now Trump and his allies are launching negative attacks against Joe Biden to hide the truth. Here are the facts. Joe Biden warned the nation in January that Trump had left us unprepared for a pandemic. Then Biden told Trump he should insist on having American health experts on the ground in China. I would be on the phone with China and making it clear, we are going to need to be in your country. You have to be open. You have to be clear. We have to know what's going on. But Trump rolled over for the Chinese. He took their word for it. The president tweeted, China has been working very hard to contain the coronavirus. The United States greatly appreciates their efforts and transparency. China, I spoke with President Xi and they're working very, very very hard, and I think it's going to all work out fine. Trump praised the Chinese 15 times in January and February as the coronavirus spread across the world. It's a tough situation. I think they're doing a very good job. Are you concerned about the potential impact on the global economy? I think that China will do a very good job. Trump never got a CDC team on the ground in China, and the travel ban he brags about? Trump let in 40,000 travelers from China into America after he signed it. Not exactly airtight. Look around. 22 million Americans are out of work, and we have more officially reported cases and deaths than any other country. Donald Trump left this country unprepared and unprotected for the worst public health and economic crisis in our lifetime. And now we're paying the price. All the negative ads in the world can't change the truth. 
Today's panel, Randy B., diversity and inclusion strategist, Rob Richardson. He's the host of Disruption Now podcast and Dr. Avis Jones, the Weaver political analyst. Uh, I'm going to, over the, yesterday, uh, there was a little dust up at the White House, just, just to show you again the level of ignorance that we are dealing with uh, from the White House. Uh, there was a reporter from CBS who asked a very fair, decent, basic question of Donald Trump. And if you want to see again how shameful and despicable this man is, especially when women challenge him, watch this. All right, y'all don't y'all don't have the video there. All right, let me let me just do this here. I'm, I'm finding myself. Uh, it, it you talk about just just unbelievable uh, his his attitude and how he talks to women, how he uh, treats women, how he uh, just dismisses women when they are talking. And so, uh, here we go. Go my iPad. And the virus was spreading like wildfire through the month of February instead of holding rallies with thousands of people. Why did you wait so long who are you to with? warn who, them? Who are you with? And why did you yeah. uh, not have social distancing until March 16th? Who are you with? I'm Weijia Jiang with CBS News. So, if you look at what I did in terms of cutting off or banning China from coming in. Chinese nationals. But by the way, not Americans who are also nice and easy. Nice and easy. Just relax. We cut it off. People were amazed. These gentlemen, everybody was amazed that I did it. We had 21 people in a room. Everybody was against it but me. Dr. Fauci said, had I not done that, perhaps tens of thousands and maybe much more than that, people would have died. I was very early, very, very early. And we just saw you saw Brett Baer making a statement. They had a debate well into February. And not even mentioned, it wasn't even mentioned, the Democrats. The we were very early. Oh, I'm, I'm the president. And you know what I just did? So quickly. And you know what I just... And by the way, when you issued the ban, the virus was already here. Okay, and you know how many people, when I issued the ban, how many cases of virus were in the United States when I issued the ban? Do you know the number? There was... No, no, how many cases? Remember I said one person. How many cases were here when I issued the ban? But Tell did me. you know... No, no, no. You have to do your research. How many... I did my research. On the 23rd of March, you said you knew this was going to be a pandemic. Can I tell you what? Well I did know it. I did know it. All I have to do is look. So you knew let, it all, Anybody knew it. Just... Are you ready? How many cases were in the United States when I did my ban? How many people had died in the United States? So do you acknowledge that you didn't think... Keep you your voice down, please. Spread? Keep your voice down. Did you not... How many... How many... How many cases were in the United States? I did a ban where I'm closing up the entire country. How many people died? And that's a fair point. How many people died in the United States? And yet I closed up the country, and I believe there were no deaths, zero deaths at the time I closed up the country. Nobody was there. And you should say thank you very much for good judgment. Go ahead. Avis, here's what was interesting. So, one, he constantly lied during that whole time. What's, what's, what's crazy here is, first of all, he didn't close the country because he doesn't have the authority. Uh, two, he also lied when it came to uh, a lot of people who come back in. Yes, they were American citizens, but they were not quarantined when they came back into the United States. Thirdly, 
when you talk when, when you when you when you when he talks about uh well uh what we did close down and there were no deaths at the time okay having deaths is not the reason why you do something you shut it down to prevent deaths and he wants to be patted on the back because for him the most important thing was i stopped the travel from there like she said it was already here fool it was already here and i don't even believe the the propaganda that there were no deaths when he did that the fact of the matter is to this day less than one percent of the american population has been tested and i believe that he intentionally has suppressed the proliferation of testing in this nation in order to reduce the number of positives uh, to make it seem like that uh, this is not as prevalent as it is that's why we have the social distancing because we have no idea who has it and who doesn't in over 99% of the population. Hold on one so, time. Oh, hold on one tight. Hold on one tight. Uh, Dr. Burks is speaking. It looks like she's talking about testing. Go go live to the White House, please. Um, hold on, hold on one second. Both is low speed but um, quick turnaround time to high speed and taking three to four hours to actually run a hundred or more tests. And so the equipment ranged from all those different, and that's why there's 5,000 of them as noted um, by the president in this list. We wanted every governor and every state and health laboratory director to have a clear understanding of the full capacity within the state both for the capacity, but also where technical assistance and additional supplies may be available. And we were proud to put the federal labs on that list because the military and the VA have stepped up every step of the way to provide support both in testing and care. And we have many military members on the front lines, and I'm sure the military would offer their facilities to the governor of Maryland or any governor who wanted to utilize those to expand testing. So the next slide, I'm just going to run through them very quickly. So every governor not only received the Excel spreadsheet with the complete list of the equipment and the zip code of the location and the laboratory to really be able to create a mosaic of laboratories of the high speed and low speed um, equipment together to meet the needs of their clients depending if they're drive-through or hospital needs. So this is what Florida looks like. Next slide. This is what Louisiana looks like, next slide. Maryland with significant capacity, next slide. Virginia with significant capacity throughout the state, next slide. New York, um, obviously a lot of capacity in New York City um, with overlapping capacity. It's important to know where this is because then it, um, hospitals and labs can support each other when they need surge capacity, next slide. This is New Jersey, next slide. Pennsylvania, next slide. Massachusetts, next slide. Ohio, next slide. Oklahoma, next slide. Washington, next slide. I think that's uh, Wyoming. So we wanted to show both in states that have large populations and in states that have lower populations, you can see that in general, the number of machines match their population. And we're working with the Walter Reed Group and the American Society of Microbiologists and all the lab directors to really create a web of understanding of what the capacity is currently, what the capacity can be, and how the federal government government can support them in developing their strategies linked to the overarching federal strategy of testing as outlined in our guidelines. Thank you, Thank Mr. You President. Question for Dr. Burks? Yeah. Dr. Burks, um, let's go, okay, Avis, go ahead and finish the point that you were making. 
Well, I don't even believe what she just said. Let, let, let me just, let me just, what she provided was maps with specific data points that were supposed to uh, align with the number of testing sites they have in that state. Okay, that may be true. But for her to then extrapolate to then say, this proves that we have enough testing points to meet the population in the state is absolute bull. That doesn't prove anything. Uh, I, I live in Virginia. I know how big the state is. And those little dots that they had, for you to be able to make a statement like that, you need to be able to quantify how many people is each one of those uh, testing areas serving in order for you to be able to make the broad leap to say that we have enough capacity to reach the entire population. You can't say that based on data points on a map. This is propaganda. This is not true. And uh, it's very disappointing right. to see someone who is supposed to be a scientist who understands about data to make a conjecture like that that is not in any way, shape, or form based on quantifiable fact that she shared with us in this moment. So like last week, Randy, when they tweeted, uh, Kaylee McEnany, new press secretary, tweeted out uh, that in 350 counties, there have been no coronavirus uh, confirmed cases in seven days. I said, well, first of all, where are those counties? Are those landmass counties where they have few people? What about the where you have, where it's, where, where you have, where it's a question of density? And so you can always play the games, but so you got to ask the second and the third question anytime Andy comes out of this White House to really understand what's going on. Absolutely. They're not even actually answering the first question. They're just making up answers that don't make any sense. First of all, when they look at these counties, they're saying how many people have had negative or positive tests. These people aren't even being tested. They're not even able to access tests. So it's it's a joke to begin with. And then what I love when they do these touch points, these, these spots where counties are sh showing some tests or availability, I would love to know the makeup of that the, of who is receiving the test. But we hear over and over again that people are not getting tested, particularly African-American people. Rob, it is abundantly clear, uh, again, that you see the games being played by uh, Donald Trump. You see uh, the line that constantly takes place. You can't trust anything the man says because you have to verify. And, you know, this is a man, just think about it, Roland. He said, I have total authority and no responsibility. Like, how, how does one have total authority and no responsibility? So, I mean, like, that's what the man said. Uh, I mean, so he believes that, or maybe he doesn't believe that. I don't know what he believes, but... The fact is, he doesn't think he has to be held accountable. He thinks he can keep telling lie after lie. He could tell us that, you know, water isn't wet when we're in the middle of a pool. I mean, the man is going to make up anything at any moment at, at any single time. So he's he, he's just going to do that. And it, and it's worth it. Look, it got him elected in 2016. He's hoping that by distraction, he'll get reelected. But I don't think it's going to work. Uh, here is a new ad just dropped an hour ago by Joe Biden's campaign that specifically goes at the issue of I don't accept any responsibility. Go to my iPad, watch this. The buck stops here. Harry Truman said it. It means no excuses. It means taking responsibility, the ultimate responsibility for the biggest decisions in the world. Every great president has lived up to it. But Donald Trump? 
Yeah, no, I don't take responsibility at all. First of all, governors are supposed to be doing a lot of this work, and they... We're a backup. We're not an ordering clerk. We're a backup. Donald Trump thought the job was about tweets and rallies and big parades. He never thought he'd have to protect nearly 330 million Americans, so he didn't. To the, to the panel, uh, a, new MSNB, a new NBC poll, 65% disapprove of Donald Trump's handling uh, of uh, this virus. You see the poll numbers. And so here's the beauty, folks. As he keeps running his mouth at news conferences and lying, that number keeps going up. And so you're now seeing but that early bump, that's gone. Get, people are seeing how the lies are being exposed and even how the Fox News lies got exposed when they tried to flip it like, oh, Trump, Trump was always on top of it. And then they were sitting here lying to downplaying coronavirus. You know, I always wonder about the 35%. I can't even believe that there's 35% who believe that he's doing a good job right now. That's the part that honestly surprises me, Roland. Hey, those are true believers. They're gonna look. They're gonna walk over fire. They're gonna do whatever it takes. They're gonna walk. They're gonna do whatever. You just cannot convince that 35 percent of anything. The one thing he did say that was true is that he can go down the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody, and those people be with him. He was right. So the question is, what are the are, are the other 65 percent going to get out and vote and be motivated? Because my concern is that they're going to do everything possible to cheat. And so I'm glad that the poll looks like it's going that way. But to me, you're dealing with a a person that is willing to do anything and everything to win. So this is going to be warfare. It should be it should be a layup, but it won't be because it's going to be hard. One of the things, Avis, already down when you talk about, again, what is happening um, with uh, opening up, um, isn't it ironic that the, the second most idiotic governor in America, Brian Kitt of Georgia, <laughs> right behind that fool Ron DeSantis in Florida. Yeah, Ron is first. Uh, no, Ron, Ron is in first <laughs> by, first wi by, by wide that. margin. He's the goat of idiots. Wide margin, you know. <laughs> I mean, look, between him, Kemp, and Tate Reeves down in Mississippi, I mean, you're dealing with three idiots. So, uh, and remember, Brian Kemp was the one who is based in Atlanta but didn't know how you could contract coronavirus, even though the CDC is headquartered in Atlanta. But that's another story. Uh, this just happened. He made this announcement. Go to my iPad, please. This idiot has announced that gyms, hair and nail salons, bowling alleys will reopen in Georgia Friday. Restaurants, theaters will reopen Monday, April 27th. Bars, amusement parks will stay closed. In-person worship is allowed. Well, see, when I see things like that, um, you know, I, I don't underestimate uh, the stupidity of this man. Um, however, um, I have to tell you, I have to also wonder if there is some more insidious motivation here uh, rather than just ignorance. Um, the reality is, as we've noted on the show over and over again, this is a disease that unfortunately uh, seems to be impacting Black people at disproportionate levels. And we know that there is a significant black population in Georgia. This is also the man that did everything that he could 
in order to steal voting rights from black people when he was secretary of state. That's how he's in that position. Yep. And so I do not put it past these people. I'm going to be very honest. I do not put it past these people to go the ultimate yard in order to be able to impact who's even alive to vote in November. I do not put it past these people. He's stupid, but he ain't that stupid. And, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I really don't trust the ethics associated with a lot of these folks, him included, uh, who I believe will stop at nothing in order to grab and hold on to power, even if that means killing people. The, 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 Randy and Rob, the, the, the reason this 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 is this is crazy, because okay, bowling alleys, hair and nail salons. Uh, look, I'm, t I'm telling you, black people in Georgia. My advice: don't be running out on Friday. Did the rest of the people do that? Because. The deal is, Georgia still... They, matter of fact, I, I was just sitting here. Let me, let me find it. They just reported an increase in cases in Georgia. Mm -hmm. Yep. Same in Florida, who's, who's reopening the beaches as well. I mean, two things are... There, there's this line I love by Albert Einstein. Two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity, and he's not sure about the universe. Like, this is really stupid. This is real dumb. And no, black folks do not do it. Anybody don't do it. Like, there's... The cases are at a peak right now everywhere, and we don't have testing, despite what you just heard by the present occupant of the White House. Uh, a Harvard study showed that we need to do a half, we need to test a half a million people a day, like the next 60 days to have any any type of idea of where we're at with testing to get a really uh, a, a handle on where this virus is. So we have no idea. Randy, Actually, we have some ideas. Yeah, really we bad. have to. Well, don't do it. As, as black people, we need to decide and be very clear about who we trust our lives with, right? I mean, do you think that anybody um, on, in this Trump administration or any of his cronies is looking out for our best interests? And I think the answer is a clear, absolute no. So mm -hmm. it is up to us to make decisions that are best for us. I mean, this is life or death now. It is life or death. Yeah, I mean, this, this is absolutely crazy in terms of what you're spending. Speaking of life and, life and death, uh, I'm not, I'm not even going to waste any time showing video uh, because they're idiots, but you have these gun rights people, uh, these nutcases, they've been popping up. Here's what we do know. Uh, an analysis was done. The, some folks on Reddit discovered this. All of these websites came online the exact same day. They're being funded by the DeVos family. So what's happening, folks, is this is, this is all AstroTurf. Okay, so these so-called rallies where people are uh, sitting here, um, you know, uh, out here blocking traffic and demanding, oh, reopen the states, all led by Donald Trump. This is Donald Trump trying to conjure up white resentment. These are, in, these are, these are these white militias and others who are out here, and that's what they're doing. You know, and so people need to understand that national media is running out there trying to cover them, and it's like five people. Some other places, a lot more people. Uh, and again, here's the deal. I'm just, I'm just going to be straight up. If these white folks want to kill themselves because they think they're invincible, like I was reading this one story where this guy, he called coronavirus stupid and ridiculous and just a big old uh, hoax, he's dead. He's dead right now because he played games with coronavirus. And so I say, yo, we stay at home, let them go kill themselves.
<laughs> I'm just trying to see who they're mad. Like, who are they? Who are they angry at right now? Because, because you know, they're boys in office. So who are they blaming? I don't even understand. They're blaming coronavirus. Like, what? Where's the anger even? I don't even get it. Where, 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 where? Who are they mad at? Like, you're just mad to be you mad know what? because Trump. I don't. I'm trying to understand. What are the protests about? Are you protesting Corona? I mean, what are we protesting? You know, some people have never heard the word no. I mean, that is what privilege is. Particularly, that's what white privilege is. Is that you expect to do what you want to do, and so for the first time in life, some of these people are hearing the word no, and they're like, "Damn it, I'm gonna do what I want to do. I'm gonna carry my butt on out there." And I think. I'm with you, Roland. Let him go. Go on out there if you want to. I, exactly. But I, I also think, though, that this is not something that they individually came up with on their own, right? I mean, they are being pushed in this direction by a propaganda-led um, administration. Uh, you, As you mentioned, you had all these websites come online at the same time. Exact same time. Nonsense. Yep. You yep. had Fox News out there pushing this nonsense. You have... Uh, Trump tweeting, uh, you know, basically revolt uh, in various Democratic-led states. And so what he is really trying to do is he even is showing that he's not even caring about the lives of his own supporters because he is preferencing, he thinks, the economy over health, over life and death issues. His main thing is, I just want people to go back to work so we can get more money flowing. That's all he cares about is money, clearly. But yep. what he doesn't understand that when people are dropping dead or fear that they might drop it, drop dead, then the economy isn't going to be able to go. It, it, you cannot have one without the other. And, and so I actually because think, yeah, Trump is incapable of thinking beyond one move at a time, he is unable to process the fact that despite all of the propaganda that he's pushing out there and all of his minions are pushing out there to get these idiots to go out there and risk their lives, if you think one step beyond that, it still isn't going to work. It still I, isn't going to bring yeah. this economy back until we get a hold on really the level of proliferation that this virus has all across this nation. I actually think, Roland, the goal of what he's trying to do is get his people in, to incite them, yeah. thinking he may lose, and, he can and then he can say... One of two things. Maybe maybe he can get others to intimidate people from going to the polls, so that might help him win. Or if he loses, which I think is more and more likely, he, he's trying to incite a riot, and he's trying to get people to say they stole the election and to really get people really, really pissed off, which is really, really, really dangerous. But I do think that's part of his strategy. So I think he's—I don't know if he's—I I do think he's thinking about how to get people riled up and thinking he may lose, and he's trying to figure out the strategy to just really keep the country angry and then figure out a way to profit off of that. That's Here's what I think the deal. Doing. Donald Trump needs white resentment, Randy, right. in order to... He needs that. He, need, he needs angry white people, especially these white men, who... He's, his number, he's polling well. The late, According to one of the most recent polls right now, that one of the most recent polls, Joe Biden is doing five points better. Joe Biden is over 40% among white voters. Remember, no Democrat since 1964 has gotten more than 39% of the white vote. And so that's the piece. When you start looking, now granted, this, 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 is, uh, this is April. November is a very long way. Donald Trump needs pissed off white people, Randy, in order for him to try to win November. Absolutely. That's the way he won the first time, is that he worked on everyone's privilege, their, uh, they, their belief that they should have, 
And they're not interested in having a world that is truly inclusive, that other people have opportunities. And so here you had Barack Obama. Yesterday, Guys, look at this. He's, he's one president now. You know, he's one president of the United States. And they said, oh, no, we're losing our stature in the United States. So that's how, that's how Trump won, is based off white fear, white man's fear, and anger. So he's always trying to make people angry. If you notice, I don't think the man ever speaks without trying to incite yep. some sort of anger and fear in people. All right, then. Got to go to break, folks. Hold tight one second. All of you who are watching on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, hold tight uh, as well. Uh, we're gonna, when we come back, we're going to talk to uh, a sister who's a doctor about what pregnant folks should be watching out for with coronavirus. Don't forget to also, we want you to support us at Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, you see the Cash app. Guys, put the number below the Cash app uh, as well. Every dollar you give goes to support this show, allows us to be here every single day, two hours a day, providing you the kind of up-to-date news and information from a black perspective. We don't do specials. We're here five days a week. We don't do once-a-week shows. Five days a week, we're live on this show. And so that's the Cash app right there. Now put the PayPal up. Uh, go ahead and put the PayPal up. That's it right there. And so Cash App, PayPal, Square. Uh, and then, of course, you can also um, uh, uh, shoot me an email. We'll send you our mailing address as well. Uh, that's critically important for us. Later in the show, toward the end of the show, uh, I told you on Friday, I said uh, for every person who gives, joins our Bring the Funk fan club, $50 or more, I'm going to personally give you a shout-out on the show. And so that's going to happen every day, every day. So I'll, I see some of you have already given. Every day uh, this week, the folks who uh, give, who join our Bring the Funk fan club at $50 or more will get a personal shout-out from me right here on the show. Going to a break, back on Roller Mark Unfiltered in just a moment. You want to support Roller Mark Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. So a lot of y'all always asking me about terms, some of the pocket squares that I wear. Now, I don't know. Robert don't have one on. Now, I don't particularly like the white pocket squares. I don't like even the silk ones. And so I was reading GQ magazine a number of years ago, and I saw uh, this guy who had this, this pocket square here, and it looks like a flower. Uh, this is called a shibori pocket square. This is how the Japanese manipulate the fabric to create this sort of flower effect. So I'm going to take it out and then place it in my hand so you see what it looks like. And I said, man, this is pretty cool. And so I tracked down, the. it took me a year to find a company that did it. Uh, and so uh, they make these about 47 different colors. And so I love them because, again, as men, we don't have many accessories to wear, so we don't have many options. Uh, and so this is really a pretty cool uh, pocket square. And what I love about this here is you saw uh, when it's uh, in, in the pocket, you know, it gives you that flower effect like that but if I wanted to also unlike other because if I flip it and turn it over it actually gives me a different type of texture and so therefore it gives me a different look so there you go so uh, if you actually want to uh, get one of these shibori pocket squares we have them in 47 different colors all you got to do is go to rollingthismartin.com forward slash pocket squares so it's rollingthismartin.com forward slash 
pocket squares. All you got to do is go to my website uh, and you can actually uh, get this. Now, for those of you who are members of our Bring the Funk fan club, there's a discount for you to get our pocket squares. That's why you also got to be a part of our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, and so that's what we want you to do. And so it's pretty cool. So if you want to jazz your look up, you can do that. In addition, uh, y'all see me with some of the feather pocket squares. My sister who's a designer. She actually makes these. They're all custom made. So when you also go to the website, you can also order one of the customized uh, feather pocket squares uh, right there at rollingsmartin.com forward slash pocket squares. So please do so. And of course, uh, that goes to support the show. And again, if you're a Brina Funk fan club member, you get a discount. This is why you should join the fan club. All right, folks, uh, man, this, this story is just so sad out of uh, Michigan. Uh, here we go to my iPad. This young girl here, her name is Skylar, five years old. She is the daughter of two emergency resp first responders there in Detroit. Uh, she has passed away from coronavirus. Uh, she developed a particular um, condition as a result of contracting coronavirus. Uh, she, uh, I think it was on April 29th, uh, according to the story here, um, is when she, um, I'm going through the story again, she's the youngest person on record to die with COVID-19. Well, prior to, the, to her passing, the youngest in Michigan was 20. Uh, she's five. Uh, on March 29th, she was admitted to the hospital. Uh, she developed a rare complication of the coronavirus, uh, meningoencephalitis, uh, which causes swelling of brain tissue and a lesion on her frontal lobe. Uh, she was on a ventilator, and the family made the, de made the decision to take her off the ventilator because she was brain dead. Folks, so many of our people in Detroit have been impacted. So many African-Americans, every African-American, every person in Richmond, Virginia, who has died from coronavirus is African-American. Every person in St. Louis who has died from coronavirus is African-American. And when you hear the phrase, when the country sneezes, black women, first of all, when the country sneezes uh, or when the country gets a cold, black people get the flu, then of course the country gets the flu, black people, we get pneumonia, we can go down the line. But the question is, what now happens right now when we talk about the coronavirus and the impact of pregnant women. Now, only the people who, now here's the other piece, now because shelter in place, look, people are together, also, according to various studies, having more sex, we can expect to have in three months uh, a number of women who are gonna report they're getting pregnant, but how do, or how should they take care of themselves? Uh, in these times. Dr. Rashonda Mitchell joins us right now to talk about the, this very issue. Glad to have Rashonda uh, on the show. Uh, Rashonda, you were the University of Virginia, correct? Yes, yes, I am. Okay, all right then. Um, Go ahead. My, I, uh, I am at the University of Virginia and I'm finishing my fellowship in maternal fetal medicine, which um, is specific for high-risk pregnancies. So um, we are having a lot of moms come in with a lot of anxiety right now. Mm-hmm. And and, really. and 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 what are their concerns? Well, of course, there's a lot that we don't know about this virus, and so they want to know how does this, you know, affect my pregnancy? How is this going to affect my delivery plan? Um, who can um, attend the birth of of my child? So these are all concerns that we are hearing um, as it relates. And to be quite honest, I know some women who are at this point, trying to avoid the hospital because they don't want to be exposed possibly to the virus. So um, we we have to get the proper message out there specifically to our um, 
our black and brown mothers uh, related to this virus. Um, and uh, and so what are you advising them? Um, because uh, I, I know there's some folks I know uh, who they, they recently had children and the fathers could not be in the room with them. Uh, mm -hmm. I, uh, we had Gerald Albright last week on. Him and his wife have not seen their first grandchild uh, because, uh, uh, because of coronavirus. And so uh, what type of precautions uh, should we be putting in place? We, what, in terms of even, even uh, you know, taking care of once we find out uh, that woman is pregnant, what should we be doing? Okay, so the first thing I would like to say is definitely go and receive prenatal care. Prenatal care is important um, to ensure um, the best outcomes for both mom and baby. So yes, even though in the middle of this pandemic, we do want you to receive pre uh, prenatal care. So we reach out to um, your provider and schedule the routine prenatal care. Um, the second thing is what everyone else can do, because initially, you know, pregnant women were put at higher risk because we didn't know how this virus um, would the effects that it would have. Um, so they, pregnant women were considered high risk. But right now, um, pregnant women, they have cleared them and said that pregnant women are at the same risk as, as healthy um, individuals. So right now, you just follow the, the same guidelines that the CDC recommends for everyone else, which is uh, social distancing at this time, um, also washing um, your hands um, for 20 seconds with soap and water. Um, if you're out and you're in, you know, a high density population um, or a place and you're going out, you should wear a face mask. Um, those are the general recommendations um, right now. But if we're considering prolong what to do in, in the future, things you should discuss with your provider um, is um, call them first um, and see what their process is because a lot of doctor's offices are having um, instituting um, rules on how many people can be in the waiting area. Mm -hmm. So you need to ensure that you know the proper thing to do when they schedule your appointment. Um, should you wait in the car until they come and check you in? Um, so first call your um, doctor's office, set up an appointment and see what their rules are. And if you're close to delivery, the things that we would recommend is you should have a discussion with your provider to ensure um, that your birth plan um, can be followed um, and making sure that you do have a support person in the room. We do know that women of color um, are at greater risk for uh, maternal mortality. So having that advocate or that person, one person with you, um, it's important that you know um, that that person can be allowed. And that's going to vary from hospital to hospital, depending on um, the, the, I guess, the density of how many positive people they have in the area. All right, I got my panel here, so I got to bring them in with some questions. Uh, let's see, Robin, you're first. What's your question for Doc? Is Robin there? Oh. Robin, you there? You said Rob or Robin? Uh, okay, first of all, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Randy, my apologies, Randy, my apologies. <laughs> no problem. I'm wondering, is there any uh, gear possibly that they feel a 
someone could wear to be allowed in the delivery room. I have a very dear friend whose wife is pregnant right now, um, due at the end of June, and he's just wondering if they have the proper attires or any possibility of he, him getting in that room. He said he's willing to wear anything. He just wants in there when his daughter's born. I, I'm sure it is an exciting moment, and we love to have our support persons, our fathers or uh, significant others in the room during that time. But um, depending on what hospital it is, some hospitals are allowing at least one support person in the room during the delivery. And um, it is typical that in the delivery room, if it's a C-section, you're typically have a face mask and face shield on um, anyway during that time. Um, so I don't know if their healthcare provider told them that they would not allow um, a support person, but um, there's not really anything different that we could do besides um, recommending the normal face mask that we, we have. And hopefully the, the, that she's not positive and we don't have to worry about that. It's only usually when women are... Um, COVID positive that we are a little bit more concerned and we usually typically don't allow that support person in the room. Avis. Okay. So what would you tell families just to, you know, sway their fears or make them feel more comfortable about even giving birth in this environment in a hospital, period? Uh, hospitals are, quite frankly, notorious for um, being a place where people can catch infections and uh, they can be exposed to uh, things that they didn't have when they came in the door. So given the high level of trans transmittal of this particular virus, uh, how can you make people feel comfortable to have an in-hospital birth at this time? Um, I would definitely have that discussion with the provider and the hospital to understand what their processes are for pregnant women. So one of the things that um, you can do is um, I will let you know on labor and delivery, we typically have healthy young women or individuals there. So we we don't have a, a high rate. And if they are infected, they're usually isolated um, in a negative pressure room. Um, so most of the people that they're probably going to be exposed to are um, healthy individuals. And I know that the providers in and of themselves, we are limiting ourselves to be um, exposed to the uh, virus. So that what I mean by that is that if there is a COVID positive uh, patient, that person is only seen by one provider to limit exposure so that the other providers um, don't have to be exposed. So the first thing I would say is labor and delivery typically has um, a lower rate of sick individuals um, compared to other floors. Um, because we do know that we have babies um, on the floor. And so we try to limit um, our very, very sick moms um, and um, the, the access to them. The second thing I would say is talk with your healthcare professional to make sure that they have uh, face masks that are, are appropriate and the PPE that is needed um, for delivery. Um, depending on what type of delivery that they have. And if they have all of those things, um, we've delivered women and been, um, everyone came out without being exposed at this point in time. Final question, Rob. Uh, Dr. Mitchell, what do you think about, what about pregnant women that are maybe not super, super young, but not necessarily old, but like 40 plus having babies? Are there, is there anything that 
you need to take under special advisement with 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 with, with that situation? Well, the thing with um, our older, or I like to say our more mature mothers, um, is um, making sure that they're in their best health uh, possible. The the only risk factor is that the older you get, the more likely you are sometimes to have other comorbidities such as diabetes and hypertension. So um, ensuring that both of those things are um, under control. And then um, after, uh, uh, besides that, I think, there should be um, no additional precautions um, that are needed. It's, it's just doing the typical things that pregnant women do as far as washing hands, social distancing, um, nothing in addition to that. All right, team. Well, Dr. Rashonda Mitchell, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, thank you so very much uh, for your expertise. You know, our goal is to uh, go present black doctors and scientists here to give them an opportunity to share their knowledge uh, with our audience. And so we certainly thank you for doing so. No, my pleasure. Thank you. Anytime. All right. All right, folks. Uh, we, we keep talking about, again, uh, where, where we stand uh, on this issue. A little bit later, we're going to talk with uh, someone out in California who's talking about what they're doing for uh, black businesses. That's critically important. Uh, I told you last week uh, about Facebook, and one of the things that Facebook is doing, uh, Google is uh, providing media grants. Facebook is also providing uh, grants to, uh, to small businesses. Um, you and so uh, there was a deadline that was involved uh, for uh, their particular grants. Uh, I'm gonna tr I'm gonna try to uh, y'all have it. Uh, that's the actual website right there. Uh, that's the website uh, you see right there. Facebook.com forward slash business slash boost slash grants. And so that's the that's the site. Uh, I'm pulling up. This is what the site looks like. It's this small business grants program. That's where it is. Go ahead and keep the uh, website up as well. Small Business Grants Program. And so uh, they're helping uh, folks. So here's the deal. They have various dates on here, depending upon where you are based. Uh, and so go to this website, facebook.com forward slash business forward slash boost forward slash grants in order for you to apply, uh, and so we certainly cer certainly want uh, y'all to do so. So many people out there are trying to help businesses survive. The reality is, when you talk about businesses, uh, you look. I'm wearing uh, I'm wearing the, the t-shirt black on. First of all, uh, the, the the company that uh, gave me this uh, sweatshirt, they gave it to me last year. I need y'all to send me an email, a tweet, or a post on Instagram, uh, so I can give y'all a shout out. People keep asking me where I get it, and I totally forgot. And so, um, so send me that. So there's so many businesses that are out here. The reality is people who work for those businesses, they've got children. They're paying mortgages. They're paying college tuition. Uh, they are taking care of children as well. And so our businesses are being greatly impacted. Uh, we had John Hope Bryan on talking about this process to get the federal funds um, last week. Go to our YouTube channel. If you missed that great conversation, he gave some great information. But we need to be, but we got folks who are impacting right now who are laying off people like literally right now. I talked to several people today who've been laid off from their companies. Well, Jay King, he's the CEO and president of the California Black Chamber of Commerce. They recently announced the launch of a special COVID 19 GoFundMe campaign to financially assist and save small black businesses in California. They are the largest African American nonprofit business organization that represents thousands of small emerging businesses. The organization is concerned that the $2 trillion COVID-19 stimulus bill will overlook small businesses uh, 
Uh, and of course, we had Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee on at the top of the show, Jay, and she was talking about what they are doing uh, to fight for black businesses. I, I told her about, of course, Shake Shack, a uh, large restaurant chain that got $10 million. Uh, we now know that between them, Ruth Chris Steakhouse got $20 million. Potbelly got uh, several million. These large chains, and we only know this because they're publicly traded companies. They had to disclose it. And so what about your large private co companies that, that, that got the money uh, as well? And so too many small mom and pops are being left out. What are you hearing from them in California? Well, we're hearing that, you know, they're getting letters that say that they're not, basically they don't qualify. You know, we got to remember that 95% of African-American businesses across the country, um, and surely in the state of California, are owner, you know, they, they're single owners. They don't have any employees. 95% yeah. of our businesses are without an employee. So oftentimes they don't even qualify for the programs that's put in front. Right. In front of it. Well, 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 well first, of all, first of all, in fact, nationally, there are 2.6 million black-owned businesses. To your point, right. 2.5 million have one employee. Right. Only 100,000 black businesses in America have more than one employee. Go ahead, Jay. That's right. So, so we, we started getting calls, not just on weekdays, but on the weekends. When people didn't know how to fill out the SBA um, loan application. Um, you know, and right now, uh, Wells Fargo was being sued because they shuffled the paperwork. In other words, um, companies that were large companies where they could get bigger fees um, for doing their paperwork, they moved them to the front of the line. So a lot, even when you did all the things that you were supposed to do the right way, you got pushed back. Now, let me say this, Roland. I'm not surprised. And um, this is a history of this country. So as black folk, we, if we, we spend between 1.2 and $1.5 trillion a year. We're, we're recorded as the number nine to number 11 economy in the world. So it's not like we don't have money. Right. We have to now start becoming responsible to us and for us. We have to become more financially literate, and we have to start looking for, especially now, we have to look out for African-American small business owners. There's one thing to say, we support them and we love them. Look, you're wearing a, a shirt by an African-American uh, designer. I'm wearing a shirt by an African-American designer here in Sacramento. I'm wearing glasses by an African-American uh, um, uh, um, eyewear, eyeglass um, business owner. Because I know what it takes for our businesses to stay in business. Right. But now, we have to start putting our money where our mouth is. So what I'm saying to um, 2.3 million African-Americans in California is... Just put $5 on it. If we all put up $5, we'd raise $11.5 million for African-American small business owners. Now, I'm getting some pushback from white folks that come on my website, on the California Black Chamber website, saying, how can you do this? Um, what, if we call, what if we started a white man fund? And I wrote back, I wouldn't be offended by it. I believe they already have a white man fund. It's called the SBA. But if they did, <laughs> right. I think... Right. It's, it's, called, it's called the American Banking Institution. Uh, absolutely. It's called Silicon so Valley. It's called Venture Capitalist. Right. So you can't get offended by me for calling on my own community to support itself. 
And we should do that. And so I'm saying to people, look, go to GoFundMe and put in everybody pitch in. Just type that in in the search engine and put $5 in. Got it. We raised, raised about $6,600. Look, Roland, I found out about your program. Today I made a contribution, and I'm going to make a contribution every week because I think it's one of the most important programs on, uh, um, um, you know, on social media. Whether we agree at 100% or not ain't the issue for me. Mm -hmm. The fact that an African-American man or woman is out here putting information into our community, we have to start taking responsibility for us. I'm, I'm tough on us. I'm tough on my community here in Sacramento. We own a radio station, 97.5 KDEE. Mm -hmm. We're probably community active uh, radio station in the country. Um, I put out a mission in Sacramento for a thousand African-American people to put a hundred dollars a month into a community investment fund mm -hmm. so we can buy back our community in, in North Sacramento, Del Paso Heights. Right. And I said, we're not going to just do it here. We're going to do it across the city and then across the state. Mm -hmm. And we should be doing it across the country. What we're doing in California, every African-American state chamber um, president should say, this is what we're going to do in our state. And, th and not only so as a state chamber president, my job is to start it. But I have other presidents across the state that are local presidents. We'll get the money to them. It's their job to get it to their community. Folks, go to so my we're going to be very transparent. They're going to know where the money went. Everybody's going to know you know, where this money is. Yeah. And we have to start doing this for each other. Absolutely. Folks, go to my iPad, uh, Henry, please. And so this is what you see, folks. If you type in, if you type in everybody pitch in, let me just go back. If you type in everybody pitch in, uh, there are 412 results found, but this is the first one. So uh, if you just type in everybody pitch in, um, uh, uh, and it's right there, uh, uh, Sacramento. Uh, so far, $6,724 being raised. Uh, you just launched this. The goal uh, there is $10 million. And so uh, yeah. created six days ago. And so y'all spread the word, pass the word. This is critically important uh, because trust me, when we when we talking about who hires our people, when when our nieces and nephews and cousins are looking for a summer job and uh, they want to go work in that Greek paraphernalia shop or that particular restaurant or that you know whatever the business is, I mean the reality is this is where they are going to look. And so, uh, Jay, we certainly appreciate uh, you uh, launching this. Uh, what we also do is we'll push this out uh, to all of my social media platforms as well. Uh, and so we'll be watching uh, this fun grow. Thank you so much. And I want to say, I, I have a big following on Periscope, so I have this um, showing on my Periscope page. So I'm going to say to all my Periscope followers, go to um, Martin, I mean, RolandSMartin.com and make a contribution to the show. It's important. These type of shows are important. Okay. It's important that we start supporting each other. We got to stop getting mad at other folks and other communities for loving themselves. We got to get We got to stop getting mad at white folks for loving themselves. We got to start being mad at us for not loving ourselves enough. We got to love each other. We got to give to each other. We got to help each other. And we got to hold each other accountable, especially our leadership. Leadership should have been talking to us about financial literacy, investing in the market, and things like that, investing in our communities long ago. And we got to start holding our leadership accountable. Absolutely. Jay King, President of California, Black Chamber of Commerce. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot.
Thank you, sir. All right. I want to go to my panel here. And, and, and the point that Jay makes is, is a critical one, and that is the, the, the reality, Avis, if, if, if people begin, especially, so you just look at this thing from an organizational standpoint. If we start looking at how we spend dollars and who we spend dollars with and what firms do we hire. And so if you're an organization and you're having a conference, well, who has your AV contract? Who has your catering contract? Who has your PR contract? Uh, and you start looking at that, now all of a sudden, that's how you're able to actually achieve scale uh, because you have more entities uh, who are out there uh, supporting those efforts. And saying, Henry, give me a wide shot. Uh, and so, uh, so you look at, just give me a wide shot of, 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 the, of, the, of, the, of the studio. Um, when I was sitting here looking at, I said, you know what, we need to get us a set. Yeah, give me the widest shot we can. And I said to Henry, I said, yo, who you know? And he said, he said, hey, I know a guy here. Uh, he says he's African-American, and he builds sets. He builds sets. And I was like, okay. So they came in. I said, this is what I'm looking for. Uh, so our contributors, all of you people who are out there watching on Facebook, Periscope, YouTube, who have given your dollars. I mean, and, and just understand, I mean, this, this was not a cheap set. This was like $8,000. But th that went to a black-owned set design company. What you have to do is you got to ask the question first, hey, any black set design companies? Uh, because it is about supporting our own. It, ha it has to be intentional, Avis, and it can't, and we also can't get caught up in saying, well, uh, why can't the black celebrities uh, and, and the black entertainers give? But the reality is, your five and your 10 and your 50 and your 100 and your five and your 25 all adds up the same. Absolutely, and, and the reality is that our collective uh, buying power is over about 1.4 trillion. Uh, so, I mean, we do better than a lot of countries <laughs> just in terms of the level of wealth that we turn over every year in the black community. The problem is that we don't turn it over within our community, right? It, it tends to just like seep through our fingers as if it was sand as a collective. And that's because we don't make it a habitual action to purchase from black owned businesses. It really ain't that hard, okay? It just takes a little bit of effort, like you did, to ask, who do you know that provides the service that I need? There are lots of Black businesses out here providing almost anything you can think of under the sun. If we just were more intentional, all of us, you're right, not just the ones who are spending $8,000 on the set, uh, but those of you who are spending, you know, $50 in the nail salon, you know, trying to figure out where can I find a Black person that provides this service that I do, we could collectively do a whole lot better in terms of making sure that we had wealth that stayed in our communities rather than make other people rich year after year after year. And Rob, and here again, give me, give, me, give me a wash out of the set. So Rob, again, in terms of how you begin to rethink this whole deal. So if you look at, uh, uh, to, the, uh, to, my, to my left and my right, uh, those were blank spaces, and they were talking, and, and Henry said, hey, we can put, you know, we can, they can put colored lights there or something else. And I was, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning. I was driving uh, to go pick up some stuff before going to the NBA All-Star game, and I said, and I thought back to a, a particular art piece that was on my Washington Watch set when it was on TV One, and I said, hmm, 
I'm gonna call Leroy Campbell. Leroy Campbell's an artist, does amazing work. I've got several of his, pie several of his pieces in my home. And so I called Leroy and I said, Leroy, here's the deal. I got this great set. You know what? You came to mind. I would love for you to do something. I want something colorful uh, to go there. And he had a series call uh, on black people voting. This is this this art piece here, y'all. It's a, it's a multi-generational uh, black uh, group of African-Americans. So you see the little kid, you see the brother, you see uh, Big Mama, you see the grandmother, you see young folks in the back all in line to vote. And so he immediately called his printer, printed these out on canvas. We loaded it. He said, hey, I'm going to actually paint them on actual canvas, like artwork. And so same thing. So for me, I said, I said, Leroy, every day we do the show, somebody's going to see your artwork and then be able to also buy your artwork. It, it Look, at the end of the day, it was going to be an empty space with a color light, yeah. red or blue. But again, yeah, it's, I, it's thinking and saying, how can we still help one another? And that, and in this moment where we are now, that is critically important. You know, I completely agree. I'll just say, you know, money often flows through us, but not to us. Uh, black people are very talented, uh, and we need to le learn to be more intentional. Uh, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but uh, median black, uh, me median net black wealth is projected to go, and I think, to zero by 2030 or 2032. I can't remember the exact year. Uh, and if we're going to, and we must disrupt that 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 current trend, it's going to require us to be more organized, more intentional, and to invest in ourselves. And because we're not we're not poor, we're just poorly organized, and we're not as intentional as we should be. So kudos to what you did there, Roland. Uh, we all have to do more. And if I can, I want to say something about this this this, this the PPP program and how and, and the loans, because I think this was a mess. And uh, and I don't think you know I have a lot of respect for. Representative Jackson Lee, but I'll just I'll just say this: This was a really poorly designed bill in my mind. Um, it was it looked good on the front end because when I first read it, uh, it looked very good. It looked like it, it was giving a lot of opportunities to solo entrepreneurs, to uh, the people we talked about. Ninety-five percent of African Americans just are, they're the only employee. Doesn't mean that they're not helping other people because they have many independent contractors that are working for them. Uh, so that's not necessarily saying. That they're not they're not helping and actually employing people in some way. It's just not they're not on the payroll. But that doesn't mean you're not helping people and employing lots of other black people. That being said, this bill was designed to simply help the same people the SBA had always helped, and they put all these good intentions out, and then they gave all the power to Trump as if he was going to be honest about it, and he just ignored him like he always does. So I was a little bit upset that Democrats even allowed that weak bill to go forward. That's my point of view. But you know what though? I, here's the here's the thing. Uh, that, that that happens here, um, and, and it consistently happens when these bills pass by Congress. Uh, and, and I'm going to sort of talk about this in a bit, Randy, when I when I talk about the whole debacle with uh, Teddy Riley uh, and Babyface. And that is no, no. What I mean is is thinking it all the way through. Thinking it all the way through, because even if to Rob's point, you talk about the power in Trump's hands. Part of the other problem, though, was giving the banks so much power Absolutely. because the banks were picking and choosing. So, Randy, part of the issue here is that yeah, you had this great, okay, fine, okay, three hundred fifty billion dollars, but the but 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 it came where all of a sudden only a handful of banks actually give out SBA loans. So, for instance, my bank is Northern Trust; they don't do that. They're not having to work through a third partner. So, you had the banks that were not a part of the process that had to apply to get approved by the SBA, and then by the time the money ran out, those banks still had not been approved. And so they had not walked through. So it's kind of like, yeah, here's the money, 
But you got to have somebody walk through and say, hold up. Now, if this happens, who does it go to? Then, wait a minute, banks are writing their own rules? Because pretty much what Congress did was, here the money, y'all give, uh, give it to the businesses. Then the bank's sitting here going, oh, wait a minute, because also, as Mark Cuban pointed out, the banks made money off of this. The banks made money processing loans. So what they didn't do was say, oh, wait a minute, the bank's going to do pick winners and losers, Randy, like they did. And now... Well, it, exactly. and, and, and so we know how they're going to roll. Now with the second one, you got to make sure those protections are in place. Go ahead. Well, well, they're creating these policies as if there are not racial and economic disparities in the world, in, in our country, as if institutionalized racism it doesn't exist. And so they're creating these policies in a vacuum. We don't have... How many black people do you know, black businesses, particularly because most of them are sole proprietorships, have a relationship, a close relationship with a bank? We don't. So just like in every other decision, those... A lot of those decisions are made because of relationships. And we don't have them. Right? And so that... Those policies need to think that through, just as you're saying, and to consider the real position of African-Americans and where we are and the relationships that we do and obviously do not have. Absolutely. Folks, hold tight one second. Got to go to a quick break. We'll be back. We'll talk about an important Supreme Court decision that impacts black folks today. And Clarence Thomas voted for it. Oh, my God. The dead has arisen. We'll be back in a moment. All right, then, we're having some issues um, with uh, that particular video here. I'm going to try to play it. The Congressional Black Caucus has put out uh, their own uh, video, folks, um, when it comes to uh, the coronavirus. They sent that uh, to us a little bit earlier today, and so we want to be able to uh, share it with you. I'm going to try to pull uh, that video up uh, in just one second. Uh, let me also do this here. Uh, so some of you have been sending me, um, uh, asking about Leroy Campbell. Uh, Leroy's website is LeroyCampbellOriginals.com. Leroy campbellsoriginals.com. If y'all can could create a lower third, that'll be great. Uh, LeroyCampbellOriginals.com. So if you want to see more uh, Leroy's uh, work, uh, all you got to do uh, is uh, check it out uh, right there. And so uh, that's that's his website. Okay, folks, uh, this is the video from the Congressional Black Caucus that we wanted to show you this PSA. Go right ahead.
folks, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled today that juries across the nation must be unanimous to convict or acquit a criminal defendant outlawing split verdicts. In a 6-3 decision, the High Court rule of the Sixth Amendment's right to a jury trial implicitly requires a unanimous verdict and that the need for jury consensus in federal courtrooms applies equally to state courts through the 14th Amendment. At the center of the debate among the justices were the implications of overturning a nearly 50-year-old decision on which Louisiana and Oregon, having relied on in imposing justice in felony cases and the implications for future court decisions on unrelated issues such as abortion. Now, the justices, justices agreed, however, as the prevailing opinion by the high court in its 1972 decision upholding the split verdict laws in Louisiana and Oregon was, in Justice Brett Kavanaugh's words, egregiously wrong. Now, what's interesting is that, in this case, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch voted for the majority. Alito Roberts and liberal justice Elena Kagan voted for the three. Clarence Thomas voted with the folks in the majority. What's also interesting about this is that they laid out in the various decisions that the racism, white supremacy, was at the root of so much of these split verdicts. I want to go to my panel on this. This is it's a, it's a fascinating uh, case here, uh, Rob, because, first of all, the only two states still had split verdicts, and that's Louisiana and Oregon. Uh, but the thing about this is that this is what I keep trying to explain to people who have this, this, this notion that Oh, racism is so old, that Jim Crow stuff. No, these are Jim Crow laws yep. that still were impacting people today. They were rooted in white supremacy at the time, and now the Supreme Court has now ruled it's unconstitutional. Well, but it, and it's um, surprising. I never thought I would be agreeing with uh, Justice Thomas' opinion ever in my life, but, you know, <laughs> strange things happen, so this is, this is the day. A clock uh, does the... strike 12 twice a day. Exactly. So something. <laughs> hey, look. So <laughs> it's uh, at least I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. Um, but you know, this is important for people to know. Like most of our, our criminal justice system is built on Jim Crow discrimination laws. They just morphed into new laws to make them look acceptable. But so yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the the, the construct of this country is built on inequality. It's built on white supremacy, and we have to and we have to keep working. It's just evolved. This th this is significant. Um, Randy, because, again, for this court to make this decision, and if you, if you go back and read the actual uh, opinion, they talk a lot about the racial implication of this law. Yeah, that is a big deal. And now it's up for us not to say, okay, this is great, this happened, but now it's in our hands to ensure that we get all these juries. So, guys, register to vote. It's more than just what's happening in November, but also we need to get out. We don't get called for jury duty if we don't, if we're not registered to vote. So now that we have a little bit, that now that this happened, it's even bigger. Uh, Avis, I'm on the website lawandcrime.com. Here we go to my iPad. Uh, this paragraph, Justice Neil Gorsuch, writing for the majority, Avis, called out non-unanimous jury rules for being engineered to nullify the votes of black jurors. Gorsuch wrote that the origins of the rules were clearly tied to white supremacy 
and included many trappings of Jim Crow. Gorsuch explained that the rule was adopted with a careful eye on racial demographics. Gorsuch said it was designed to appear facially neutral in an effort to, quote, ensure that African-American juror service would be meaningless. Yeah, it is. Well, first of all, um, it is really rare that we have that level of honesty, quite frankly, uh, in our nation, in any realm, uh, to call out the faux neutrality that is oftentimes built into the system. Uh, and so I'm, I'm really, once again, like you've all said, shocked that even <laughs> Clarence Thomas couldn't find a way to finagle his way to a decision that uh, attacked black people as he normally does. Um, so, you know, this is a good sign that at least we, for once <laughs> we have a decision that acknowledges this reality and has done something about it. But once again, as was mentioned, this should really let us realize how important it is that the Supreme, how important the Supreme Court is in many respects. Yes. And so when yeah. we go to the ballot box in November, we need to understand that we're not just voting for the president. Even if you only focus on the top of the ticket, we are, fo we are voting. Our votes will impact a number of reverberating effects, not the least of which are the lifetime appointments uh, that are made to the Supreme Court and the entire federal judiciary. Rob, I mean, first of all, guys, listen to this. Uh, arguing that the majority couldn't possibly affirm Ramos's... Uh, first of all, this, this individual was convicted of stabbing another woman, was convicted, sentenced to life, with, life without parole uh, on 10-2. Uh, and then that's where they appealed this decision. Arguing that the majority couldn't possibly affirm Ramos's obviously unconstitutional conviction, Gorsuch had harsh words for his brethren. In the final accounting, the dissents stared decisive arguments round to zero. Quote, every judge must learn to live with the fact that he or she will make some mistakes. It comes with the territory. But it is something else entirely to perpetuate something we all know to be wrong only because we fear the consequences of being right. Mm. I don't recall, again, hearing that kind of language coming from a conservative Supreme Court justice on a matter of race. Well, the, the hope, the hope, Roland, is that, you know, folks, when they get there, they actually go and vote their conscience and they become better justices. Sometimes that happens that I was worried uh, that that wasn't going to be the case, but, and I'm still, I'm still cautious, but this is really, really good. I've never, ever seen language like that, particularly out of conservative justices, so it is reassuring that at least he's aware of how, how, how our system works. And it gives me some hope that we can actually uh, really make some, some, pro some progress that we haven't yet to this point on the Fourth Amendment. Because the Fourth Amendment is you know, the right against search and seizures, which doesn't exist for any of black America. Maybe we can come back and actually have that in the Bill of Rights. Because this Supreme, the Supreme Court over the last 30 years has just rid us of that. We don't have it. Well, part of the issue here is that, again, they operate by this whole notion of stare decisis that, oh, you can never overturn a previous decision when, in fact, they've done that beforehand. So it's like, yeah. it's not the case. Uh, uh, they, they right here, even the contrarian Justice Clarence Thomas concurred in the judgment, but wrote that he had have decided the case on entirely different privileges and immunity grounds as opposed to due process ones. So basically what it's saying is, okay, fine, Gorsuch, you focus on the race stuff. I'm not going to focus on that. But yeah, we're asking too much there. If we thought it was going to do that, Clarence okay. Thomas, <laughs> right? Yeah, come on.
Okay. All right. There you go. It's like, <laughs> I mean, that's it's like he voted with him, but damn, you can't win it all. All right, y'all. Yeah. Uh, many of us are feeling stressed and anxious sitting at home and binge or watching over favorite TV shows and eating everything, but let's not forget to move our bodies. Fitness expert and nutritionist Cootie Mac, okay, he's going to join us in a second to uh, give us some. Uh, home exercise hacks, do-it-yourself home exercise hacks during this quarantine, which is uh, all critically important. Uh, so we're going to talk about that with Cootie Mac. And then we got to have this great conversation, y'all, talking about, oh, my God, this weekend, the debacle uh, that took place with Teddy Riley and Babyface. It's supposed to, the rematch is supposed to be, or the redo is going to take place in 25 minutes. And so we know a bunch of y'all are going to go there. Some of y'all are also going to be watching on Instagram Live. The D-Nice, he'll be spinning his partnership with Michelle Obama's voting initiative. Uh, trying to register people to vote. Those things are happening as we speak right now. There's a town hall uh, happening as well, targeting black men and the census. And so a lot of different things are happening on social media uh, that we want to be able to uh, uh, put out there and help promote. But uh, first, we got to talk about those two things. Do we have Cootie Mac, folks? Okay, all right then. Uh, so we'll be joining him. Of course, he's a nutritionist uh, trainer as well. And so, uh, Cootie Mac, you there? How you doing, brother? Good to see you. All right, so let's get right to it. Uh, some do-it-yourself at-home exercises for the people who don't have treadmills or ellipticals, don't have weights, all that sort of stuff. What should they be doing since they're all at home? So here's the deal. Right now, it's impossible to find exercise equipment. A lot of people have the same idea at the same time. Nobody can find dumbbells. Nobody can find barbells, medicine balls. I've been trying to get clients to get their own equipment as I'm training them via FaceTime the way I'm talking to you now. And then I realized, okay, if you can't get it, that doesn't mean we can't work out. So three household items I'll talk about right now that you can use to get fit without having any weights are simply a face towel to start. So you get a face towel, something as simple as this, roll it up. And then what I want you to do after you roll it up is just get a firm grip on each end. Apply tension to it, as much tension as you can in each direction. Now, when you have this kind of tension, what you're doing, if you see your forearms already working, if you pull this into your chest, it's working your back. You push it out, it's working your shoulders and your chest. If you take an overhand grip like this, like a hammer grip, and pull against yourself, you're doing outward flies for your shoulders and chest. And you can even do a tricep extension where you hold it here, pull up while you're pulling down, apply just a little more pressure going down than you do going up, and you can work your triceps. Right behind that, kettlebells are not cheap, and they're not available. So what you can do is go to the store, get the biggest, cheapest brand of laundry detergent that you can find. This one's about a little more than a gallon, right? Fill it with water, and now you have a kettlebell. Now you have a dumbbell, and you, can, and you have weight. If the water isn't heavy enough, you can load it up with sand or even uh, landscaping, those little landscaping rocks. Why I like this better than, say, a gallon of water, of water or milk is that you can screw these a lot tighter so you have less chance of making a mess. So make sure it's secure, and then you can do these various exercises with this equipment that you can find anywhere. So where a kettlebell might run you $60, $80, this might run you about 6 And then last but not least, a backpack. A lot of kids are home, so that means they're, they're home from school, so that means there's backpacks all over the place. Make sure the backpack's in good condition. They also have books, and or you might have books. So you go to your library, you grab a nice backpack, and you grab some good books, right? Some good heavy books, you know? Good quality reading, you know what I mean? 
and then load up your backpack with the books, zip the backpack up so it's nice and secure, and then make sure the straps, make sure the straps are well fitted. You throw this thing on, have it nice and tight, and now you have the equivalent of a weight vest. So any exercise you do with this, you've added this much weight to your body. So if you're doing squats, if you decide to take a jog, or you want to use it in lieu of, say, a medicine ball, where you can do presses, you can do curls, you know, hope you can do a lot of kinetic exercises because you have the bands that you can tighten up, you have the weight that's in the bag, you got three sets of equipment. You can even combine some of these. Take a towel, loop it through the handle, and now you're working your forearms as you're doing the curls or the various extensions that you want to do with these household items. You can still stay fit, bolster your immune system, don't lose any of the gains, all while you're still quarantined. All right, then. That's how you do it. See, you simple. Use what you use what you got. Use what you got. The best do the best. The best do the most with the least. So you know, I got a bunch of tips like this and more. You can catch me on Instagram at k u t i m e c m a c k at Cootie Mac, or just find all my contact information at bybdfitness.com. I'm here to help you through this COVID crisis. I got you. Looking forward to do this again. All right, Cootie Mac. Thanks a bunch, man. I appreciate it. Stay safe out there. All right then. All right, folks. Let's talk about what was billed as this amazing battle between two phenomenal music producers. Babyface. Teddy Riley. Everybody was talking about it, okay? Promotional stuff was put out there. I mean, I'm talking about all sorts of videos, you name it, all these things were going out. There were people who actually, y'all, got dressed uh, put on some clothes. They were ready for the battle. It had been talked about for a couple of weeks. I mean, I'm talking about they were straight up saying, oh, this is going to be unbelievable. Uh, I know people uh, who I, I was on, uh, on social media. I know people who actually shaved their legs. They actually went out there and um, uh, uh, washed their hair, combed their hair. All this stuff that we saw taking place all this back and forth, people were talking about uh, this whole battle that was going, the thing was going to be taking place. Well, things did not quite work out as everybody expected uh, at all. It didn't go. Let's just say there were some issues. Do y'all have y'all got the video? Y'all got video of? Okay, so show some of the memes that came out. Uh, with the sound issues, go ahead. I, I, so here's what Teddy Riley Camp troubleshooting. Oh my God, that was that's cold. That's cold. <laughs> that's cold. Go to the next one. Come on, go to the next one. Us trying to help Teddy with the sound. That's brutal. That's brutal. Uh, meanwhile, at Teddy Riley's house, damn, <laughs> damn. Uh, that's uh, Swiss. You only need to use your phone, Teddy. Teddy, I bet. Damn, it's about fo about 40 phones right there, uh, like a phone tree. Uh, keep going. What else y'all got? Uh, oh, they, they, oh, Lord. They replaced Teddy's photo with the Michael Jordan crying meme. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Here, here was the... I found the video, y'all. This was the video that they produced uh, that was that setting up the whole battle. So go...
y'all, it was on if only we could have heard. Uh, that was the issue. Mario Armstrong is a tech girl. Uh, uh, we're going to have Mar Mario on in a second uh, to our panel. First of all, did every, were all of y'all in front of your phones or your TV or your computer waiting for this to take place? I was. I, 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 I was oh, yeah. watching it. I, I was watching it, yeah, and it was. I was, uh, yeah, uh, disappointed. I get look, and uh, I gave him an A for hype, and F minus for execution. I mean, look, I mean, Teddy, Teddy particularly should have talked to, I don't know, his son, his grandson, somebody. Talk to anybody. You could talk to a nine-year-old to tell them you can't do all that at once. No, no, nah, nah, hold up, nine-year-old. So here's the deal, y'all. I had this. Go to go to my uh, phone. This, y'all. I, I put my uh, computer next to the big screen. I didn't want to look at it on the phone. I want to see it on the 65-inch. Um, so, so here's what's... So, how about you? The, uh, Avis, were, were you there watching it? Uh, Randy, were you there? Well, I came oh, listen, in I was... late because... Oh, I'm sorry. I, I originally saw the all of the, the jokes, like, on Twitter. So that got my attention and, and got me over there. But, you know, to me, it is, it is such a lesson in... Just the over, how to really have an amazing opportunity, and then because you you do too too much, you completely let it fall through your hands. I mean, just imagine having half a million people there watch you in your moment of, of epic faildom. It is absolutely horrible. So, um, I, you know, I, I kind of feel a little sorry for Teddy, but you know, here's the thing. <clears throat> Team Common Sense. Hello, Team uh, Common Sense. Randy, what go ahead. the heck was he thinking? Uh, hopefully, he's yeah, learned yeah. his lesson. I, you know, I was at a uh, one of those virtual birthday parties, Zooming, and so, yeah, I was one of those people. I was dressed. I was excited. I had my bourbon. I was looking forward, because they are the soundtrack of my life. And, uh, but, you know, I don't think it was a failure, because, you know, Teddy Riley was everybody's uncle. We all have that uncle that does too much. And I think that we got we have gotten so much <laughs> laughter and pleasure from the mess of it all. Like the foolishy of it all has been, I think, enjoyable. So we're getting blessed with two shows. We got the comedy show of that night, the, you know, because he was he was just doing too much. He's definitely team too much. Then we got the memes that night. Tony Braxton was like brilliant. She has a, a another career as a comedian waiting for her. And then we also get the show today. So I, I feel like, actually, I kind of like the string out. I'm enjoying all of it. So, um, Henry, go to, my, go, to my, go to my iPad. So this is just some of it. Uh, you see how the audio was going, and it was, it was so fine. They had to shut it down. They, they stopped three times. They had to shut it down. We got Mario Armstrong, uh, tech girl, MarioArmstrong.com, uh, host of the show Never Settle. So, Mario, Avis said Teddy was trying to, trying to do too much. In fact, uh, Swiss Beats and Timberland, they had, uh, they're the ones who came up with this, this idea of yep. uh, this whole battle. And I did a couple of videos this weekend, and, and Mario, I, I, I disagree with people who say Teddy was trying to do too much. So let me unpack that for the people who didn't see my video. We're on the same page, and we seem to be the only ones. Now here, here's, so here, here's why. If anybody had paid attention uh, this had been postponed because Babyface got coronavirus. But Teddy said in the outset he did not like the limitations of, um, of Instagram. So if you actually... So Teddy was live-streaming this, this, this whole deal 
on his website. Teddy did not want this just to be an event that was just, oh, fine, I'm at a computer, I'm sitting here. No, he had a full-scale, he had a full-scale setup going. I'm a, I'm a, if y'all had a video, go ahead and play it. If not, I'm gonna pull up in a second. And the thing, Mario, is when I sat down on Sunday, and look, I was one of the people who were like, yo, can y'all get the audio fixed? Was not happy. Right, right. But when I sat down on Sunday, I actually said, no, I think Teddy did us a favor because Teddy actually, being a visionary, visionaries don't think simple. Visionaries don't just think, they also think bigger. Teddy actually had a great idea. The problem was there was only half of the execution. That's right. That's right. But so, so just explain to people who are watching so they understand what you and I saw it as people who understand technology and media. Go ahead. So initially, I was like with you. I was like, oh, come on. You're doing too much. You're trying to maximize this thing. This isn't what it's supposed to be. Make it simple. Make it easy. On, on further uh, looking into it, I'm like, oh, I get it. He's going beyond the basics. He's really trying to push it to the next level. So what happened was, technically, uh, he was in his studio, had his whole setup, and everything was arranged well locally in that studio. So the production team, the engineering, the control room, all that stuff worked fine. And that's why you see the hype man and everybody dancing. Look at all the camera views. They got the different camera views. Everybody looks like they're having a good time, and we're having a horrible experience on our end because he didn't do the other half, and that was he should have brought Babyface into his control room and piped that video into his line and then pushed it all out as one as opposed to allowing it to be split into two. So technically, I'm sure that's what they figured out. Technically, I'm sure that's what they solved. But in the meantime, I think this is the best thing that's happened because what I think it shows is our ability to be innovative, our ability to be uh, um, creative. And really, look, Teddy Riley is, is, a, is a champion when it comes to pushing boundaries. Like, that's what this guy's music did. That's what he was about. And so I really think that this thing being stretched out is actually a good thing. I think you're going to see right. way more people than you did uh, at the original live event that you will at this point. So let me explain this to all of you watching, okay? So, Henry, I want to just do this here, okay? So I want you to go to my iPad. Go to my iPad. Go to my iPad. Now, everybody who's watching, I want you to see right here. So yep. Teddy had the whole production, and Teddy had his iPad his right there iPad. in front of him. Now, now, folks, I need y'all to, to follow me here, okay? So, so I want you to okay, leave it there so you can understand. He had the iPad. Here's the problem. Now you can come back to me. When you have an iPhone, an Android, or even iPad, whatever, and you're using Instagram TV, you cannot connect an external device into your iPad or iPhone and have two-way communication. So, when you're watching D-Nice, DJ, Y'all are sitting here saying, well, what, what, uh, uh, man, D-Nice, his audio sounds great. His audio, I mean, li listen, li look at the clarity of, of, of his music. That's because D-Nice has a particular device. It's called, uh, a, it's called a Roland uh, Pro Mixer. That device is actually sending, that device uh, plugs into the, uh, his iPhone or iPad, and so his music is being mixed and it's going through. He has his microphone going through that mixer. He is able to play music and talk at the same time. If y'all have seen the videos when I've been playing gospel music, 
same thing. I'm in my house. I've got a Behringer mixer. Mic is going in. My audio is going into the mixer. It's going out to my speakers. It's going out into the phone. But here's what you can't do. You can't be, you can't have a line going into the iPad, but then I'm trying to go live with somebody on Instagram TV because the iPad or the Android device, it takes over the, the last one. You can't do it. So, so y'all are watching the show, okay? We do this every day. So here's the deal. If Mar so Mario, we're talking to you via what? FaceTime or Skype? Skype right now. All right. So, folks, do understand, if Mario had a mixer set up right now, Mario could play music. Go back to the two-shot. Mario, where he's sitting right now, Mario could be playing music on his device that's, that's right. routed through his computer. That's the right. music will be clear. Mario will be clear. Now, folks, the music is coming to us. Mario can hear me. I can hear Mario. Now, we're streaming this show right now. We're sending our signal from our control room, from the control room. We're sending it to Switchboard Live, black-owned company. Shout-out to Rudy Ellis. Yep. From Switchboard Rudy, Live, we're sending this show to YouTube, to Periscope Twitter, to Facebook, Facebook. at the same time. Now, y'all right. might say, well, hold up, wait a minute. They want to be. And you can send you can send it to your own website, like what he was trying to do. Precisely. Too. You have that source as well. Now, some of y'all are saying, "Okay, Roland, but they're on Instagram TV. How I mean, they're on Instagram Live? How do you do it?" Well, there's a website called Lula.tv. I'm showing it to you right now. Henry, go to my uh, and see. This is why y'all should be uh, supporting the show uh, because please use portrait orientation. That makes no sense to me. Okay, cool. Henry, go to my iPad. For all of y'all understand. Lula.tv allows for you to be able to send a signal to Lula to send to your IG live. Now, you can't connect with somebody on IG live through the app. So, let me, so, explain, so let me explain to you what they should have done, the workflow. I told you he had to have right. Babyface should have had a Lula.tv account. Faith has a Lulu.tv account. F excuse me, Teddy Riley. Faith right. gives Teddy Riley the RTMP URL and stream key to his Lula account. You can, you can give yep. it. He puts it into Switchboard. So now, when they go live, the it's signal, the signal the goes, the feed goes to IG. Now, some of y'all say, but, but, but hold up, but, 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 but wait a minute. We're not going to see them on the same screen. Not true. You're seeing me and Mario right now on the same screen. You can set up through your switcher. Uh, so just, I know it may sound technical, y'all. Instagram shoots 916. That means I'm on top, Mario on the bottom, Mario on top, I'm on the bottom. Yeah, However you want to do it, you can set that in your in your switcher. That's set it. That's right. Okay? Y'all right. follow me here. Okay? Now, that's how they could have seen it, streamed it on Instagram Live. So when Teddy Riley goes live on Instagram, his files are notified. Babyface goes live on Instagram, his files are notified. Now, are you going to all be on the same feed all at one time? No, but you'll be commenting on Babyface, commenting on Teddy. It all works out the exact same because you're seeing both of them. Yeah. That, yeah. And so the thing I wanted people to understand is that 
Teddy had it half right. And, and bring the panel back in, when, like, I'm gonna go back to you, Avis. Here's the argument I keep making. This is where we, as black people, influencers, have gotta stop building somebody else's platform. By Teddy streaming to his own website, he's controlling his content. People are telling me, Roland, it was free, it was free, and nobody's making money. No. Swiss, Swiss Beat not making money, Timberland not making money, Teddy Rye not making money, Face not making money. Guess who making money? Facebook! Because they own Instagram. That, that is true. However, uh, isn't it half right? Isn't enough, okay? No, 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 of course I, I, not. I still don't understand why he, he why there were no, um, you know, Rehearsals? No, 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 because here's where. No, no, they they did rehearsals, but if you don't understand the flow of the device, if you don't study, and Mario want to step in, this is where you have to study, you have to stress test something. So wait a minute, what can, what all can be done, and what can't be done? That's what he didn't do. Teddy thought, oh, I can have the whole production on my end, and I can just tap my iPad. And I can sit here and talk to face, not realizing my audio is not going to be clear. And then, and this, go ahead. And this is where an engineer needs to step in and should have been able to understand that that's not actually what's going to take place. Look, I was sitting there just as uh, heated as everybody else, wanting him to just keep it less is more and wanting to do what everyone else did. But now that he's done what he did, now that he kind of pushed that particular uh, opportunity and innovative idea further, it made you, it made me think like, why did, why wasn't it fully tested out outside of the local uh, uh, right. room that he was in? So he had his video production, everything was locally right, but he didn't have the other piece that would have made it go great. I guarantee tonight, I, I mean, I can't guarantee, but I'm looking forward to tonight seeing it actually work in the way that Roland and I are talking about, because technically it is possible to do, and it would elevate the production of this whole thing to a whole other level. Now, I'll say this. Teddy, being who he is and being the, the innovative person that he is and the creative person that he is, I think, look, we got the memes for days on, on, on the fact that he shouldn't have done it. But I got to tell you, I'm happy that this happened because I think it's done a couple of things. I think, number one, for creators of color, I think we need to be paying close attention to how this works because ownership is real. We just mentioned that we have Switchboard Live, which is owned by a person of color, Rudy Ellis. That is a a technical component that is absolutely necessary in order for you to stream your content to multiple places at one time. And so the fact that that's not even being really talked about uh, with, I'm, I don't even know if Teddy was using them or not. I doubt it because Rudy would have fixed that and would have straightened that out precisely. real quick. Precisely. You, know, oh, you said precisely. Yeah, no, precisely. He would have fixed that out real quick. And, and, so and, technically, te technically, I just want to say this last thing. Technically speaking, look, man, we, you and I are doing this all day, every day. My YouTube channel with Never Settle Network, we do things like this. We use Ecamm Live. We use Switchboard Live. So we know technically this is capable. We also know that Teddy Riley's a smart man. We also know that Babyface was just sitting in the cut, chilling with his catalog, ready to battle Teddy and, and try to knock him out. At the end of the day, we have two beautiful creators of color that have given us their playlist, and we want to see the best show possible. If Teddy's mishap is going to create a better production for verses than this is going to be. Mark my words, if Teddy does this and it works, 
then it's on Swiss and Timbaland to now take this to television or YouTube or independently be able to turn this into a format right. that goes beyond quarantine. And real quick here, I got somebody on YouTube who says, well, Roland, YouTube is making money off of you. No, 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 no. We're enrolled in the YouTube ad revenue sharing program. Yeah, the monetization program. Okay, so here's the piece. Folks, I just want to help y'all out. Instagram doesn't have a monetization program for content creators like me and Mario. That's the reason why you don't see me streaming a lot on Instagram. And put I put snippets of my videos on Instagram and drive you back to my YouTube channel. That's why I don't put my videos directly on Facebook. Facebook has a monetization program, but it sucks. So I put my YouTube clips on Facebook to drive them back to YouTube. And then Periscope, we, we basically migrated. Like right now, if I look on Periscope, I think we only have maybe uh, 98 people watching. We've successfully moved a lot of my followers from watching on uh, Periscope over to YouTube. Right now, there are 75 people on Periscope because we're moving them where we can actually get the most bang for our buck. That, folks, is what we should be thinking about. And I would hope, versus all, everybody keeps saying, yeah, but Instagram free, Swizz Beats and Timbaland can actually create their own OTT platform and, yes. and put it on there. And then guess what? Uh, that way, uh, you ain't making money for Instagram. You're not making money for Facebook. You're making nope. money for our own people. And, and that's what Teddy was trying. He wanted a much bigger production where he then could take his own content and then reproduce it. That, folks, is why you got to go look at the video that I did where I said Teddy Riley did us a favor because, again, yep. black people, listen to me clearly, I need us to stop being end users as opposed to being Create. owners. Too many yes. of us want to sit here and go, ooh, entertain us, as opposed to who's owning this? Oh, wait a minute. And see, we get caught up. Well, you got so many likes on Instagram. Mm -mm. Nah. You can create your own platform that we own and control and imagine a versus OTT platform where if you yep. want to come watch it, you got to go there to watch it. Folks, yep. trust me, don't think for a second that Instagram is not loving what's happening with D-Nice and Diddy and all these different people because they're just adding more and more users and going out and making more money and grabbing more digital dollars because we, as black people, are the greatest social influencers in the history of America, and we are simply there entertaining everybody while they are counting stacks. Get your monetization right, people. Get your ownership right. The time Mario. is now. Let's go. Always a pleasure, Mario. I appreciate it. Let's go, bro. All right, buddy. I'll see you soon, man. Randy. Who you got, going with who you got winning this? Uh, who I got winning it? Uh, uh, Face got more hits. Face got more hits. Face got more hits. All right, bro. Peace. I appreciate it. Uh, Avis, Randy, uh, Rob, I appreciate y'all being on the panel. I know y'all want to go watch the battle right now or go watch the nights <laughs> when it comes to voting. Glad to have y'all on the show. Folks, what you just heard is why we do what we do. Nobody else is having that conversation. We need you to support us, please. RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Uh, I'm looking for, they were supposed to send me the email with all of the names, but I don't have all of the names. 
So here's the deal. I'm going to read all the names tomorrow. So if you gave today 50 bucks or more, I'm going to read your names as well. But for some reason, uh, they told me they sent me the email with a list of all the names. So I guarantee you I'll be reading all names tomorrow. They didn't send me the email. Somebody need to send me the email so I can have the names. Now, I told everybody I was going to be reading the names on today's show. I ain't got no list. So I need the names. So they read the names tomorrow. Okay, folks, I got to go. Uh, support us, RollerMartinFilter.com, Cash App, PayPal, Square. If you want to mail in something to us, go to my go to RollerMartin.com, send me an email, and then we'll send you the address. We'll have the address tomorrow. We'll put it on the screen for you tomorrow as well. Okay, folks, y'all enjoy. Ho! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xu umo.com or download from the app and google play stores today all you can stream with zumo play